three, two, one. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Real View podcast with Blaine Ward. I am your host with the most. We're just talking about movies, TVs, pretty much any media. I'm your guy. Uh, today with me is a very special guest, my buddy Jimmy. Jimmy, man, how are you? Hey, I am doing great. I just realized about 20 minutes ago that the song Cake by the Ocean is about eating ass on the beach. So that's how my it, day is going. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. This is news. Right? It, it changes everything I knew about oh. everything, really. Yeah, honestly, my whole worldview now. Like, yeah. It's shattered. Oh my everything God. I thought I knew was a lie. But yeah. yeah. Hey, that's awesome, man. Hey, you know, you learn something new every day. You really do. And mm-hmm. today it was that one thing for me. I can't <laughs> learn anything else. So I if can't you learn offer me anything, anything interesting, I'm going to leave. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's in one ear, out the other. And the one thing goes in and everything else just kind of like falls. Yeah. That's how the works. one thing that's still in my head today is cake is ass. Cake is ass. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so Jimmy, for those who don't know you, uh, what are some, to get a general taste, uh, um, what would you say are some of your favorite movies and directors? Well, um, I got started with movies watching like old black and white stuff with my dad when I was a kid, like 12 Angry Men and the Maltese Falcon and a lot of like dialogue heavy stuff, His Girl Friday, things like that. Um, but then when I went to film school, I ended up moving more toward genre, like, uh, Horror, especially. I really love spooky movies. I even yeah. like garbage movies. Yeah. That are spooky. Yeah. You know, I have, I love those DVD box sets of like 10 midnight horror movies, like that kind of stuff. But I also really love, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, things like that. Anything with these tropes that are reiterated upon over and over again, where you get to like, the, the real art is in how they're manipulated and how they're changed. That's really yeah. what interested me so I, I really like uh Zack Snyder I think does a lot with genre oh my god what's an Edgar Wright yeah does a lot with genre um Christopher Nolan has kind of done his own thing I used to be a lot more of a bigger fan it's not that I'm a big fan now it's just that he hasn't really done a lot <laughs> time man that's all he does yeah, yeah. been a while it's been yeah. a while Chris um <laughs> Chris if you're if you're listening uh yeah come on. Chris I know you listen <laughs> Listen, bud, Tenet was great, but turn the music down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bit. <laughs> just a tad, you know, just a little bit. Just a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, yeah, I, I, you ever see those, you ever go to like Walmart and then like the $5 bin, or maybe it's like $10. Oh, I love you have, those. You have, they'll have like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. And yeah. it won't be like his 10 most popular movies. It'll be movies you've never heard of before. They're like at the bottom of the catalog. And you know what? I Sometimes you strike gold. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I have seen every Resident Evil movie. Oh my God. It's not because they're good. (laughs) It's really not. It's because I I love to see how you take the same like uh, building blocks and you rearrange them in new and interesting ways. Yeah. How many of those... How many of I know the Mila Jovovich? How many of those are there? Are there seven? I think seven or eight. Seven, oh God, Jesus! Yeah, well, there's a lot of those. Hey, you know she gets paid good for her. You know. Yeah, and now she's got Monster Hunter. Or well, exactly. Yeah, I I never I never heard anything about that movie. So I was like, uh, I, they made some like insensitive joke about Asian people. Ah, uh, so and, it got canceled and taken off the list. Yeah, and like their whole market was China. 
Like that was uh, the whole movie was marketed to, but they still put that in there. And and then so much for Monster Hunter. Yeah, well, darn. I was really looking to five sequels of Monster Hunter. Oh, I, yeah, I really wanted those. Well, we've got Mortal Kombat now. That's the that's true. That's true. Thing. That's yeah. true. You know, honestly, I kind of want a Mortal Kombat sequel because then we can get like cool things. That's the thing. All right. Quick aside before we get into the thick of things. Yes. I am getting sick of franchises that start a movie that has nothing to do with what the franchise is known for. Examples, Mortal Kombat. The entire thing of Mortal Kombat is that it's supposed to be a tournament. And in Mortal yeah. Kombat, they don't have the tournament. It's just not there. There's just people It really fighting. isn't. And, you know, listen, I liked Mortal Kombat more than most people, but I'm here for the fighting, and I want to see tournaments, and I know we'll probably get that in the sequel, but why are we spending so much time not doing the tournament? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, why why, why don't you open with that? Mm-hmm. We're not... Right. Honestly, with genre films like that, and uh, even with uh, Snyder movies, especially like his, his zombie stuff, yeah. um, you get these... It's less about falling in love with these characters in like the first 10 minutes and then seeing them go through a journey like a typical adventure film. But with these genres where it's all about the tropes being reiterated upon, it's more about going for the experience and seeing like this ensemble and trying to guess who's going to die first, who's next. Right, right. And then like halfway through the movie, you realize, oh, I'm actually invested in all these people. Right, you're like, wait a minute, I'm having a good time. Yeah, but you're the, not. You don't come into it the way you would like a, a George Clooney movie about like falling in love. You're not like I know who my guy is that I'm gonna love from the beginning. You're more right. coming in like I'm gonna see some crazy zombie shit or I'm gonna see some weird yeah. sci-fi nonsense. That's all I need. Right. Mortal Kombat. It's like I want to see. I want to see somebody's spine get pulled out. Right. Like I'm here for that. We did get the best scene in the movie was when uh, the uh, Kung Lao had his buzzsaw hat and he like cut queen through a person that oh my god fun. yes he looks but, directly he looks dead into the camera and just <laughs> says like what was it some uh, flawless, flawless victory flawless, flawless victory like are you kidding me that's fantastic that's all i want i want that for 90 30 minutes. seconds long <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah i mean i that's all i need and look they have moments of, at least mortal kombat at least they, they had moments of that so i wasn't like you know pouring out of my yeah. mind and so i want the time you reach like, the third act you he you had this scene with him and his family and you're like oh i feel something right and you're like okay and then but, scorpion and sub-zero comes in and it's like well wait why wasn't the movie about them i like yeah. scorpion and sub-zero but you know the fight was yeah coming. come on man yeah come this on. is the and genre then, film like i get right. i like the i like the family stuff but come on man right the other two that i wanted to bring up real quick uh sonic the hedgehog did you ever see that um, I have seen enough of it to know it's great. Uh, well, you know, it, it's not, it's not that bad. Uh, the problem is it's not a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It's a movie with Sonic Whoa. the Hedgehog in it. It is a Jim Carrey film co-starring Sonic the Hedgehog. Pretty much. And you know, in the sequel, it's in, they're going to bring in Tails and Knuckles and stuff. And I'm like, again, why don't you open with that? People yeah. want to see the stuff that the franchise is known for. You That's know what? I think I have a theory and it's budget. Oh, you're probably right. With yeah. Mortal Kombat, if you want to do that right, like the big arena thing, you're going to need to make it look like a Thor Ragnarok with a big like CGI crowd and the huge battles. Yeah. But it has to be the whole movie. It's got to be that one scene for like two hours. Right. That's I feel like more than a hundred million. Do you think? Do you think John Carter is the reason why all these uh, people are scared of like big budgets? 
Mm-hmm. I really, I think it, it not no, man, not no. No, yeah. yeah. It, I, it could be, because like they really threw a bunch of money in there. Yeah. And nothing happened. You're like, what? why didn't people like it? Well, because it's not. People don't really know a ton about it. Uh, and it wasn't marketed that well. The movie's all right, but I mean, yeah. it's not. It's a, not a bad movie. But no, like, it's just like very strange and it wasn't marketed correctly. I was surprised it came out when it did and not 15 years earlier. Right. Or 15 years later, honestly. Yeah. Because um, I mean, you know, now with all this sci-fi stuff, you know, we got like Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets or whatever, which I don't know about the movie, but it's pretty insane what they're doing yeah. with like, the budget and stuff like that. So, you know, shout out to I them. Just- I just wish people took more big swings. Right, right. But then, That's why I like Netflix so much, actually. Right, is because right. they just sort of throw money at people and are like, do what you want. Exactly. How, how it comes out. Otherwise, you have a scenario like uh, uh, the last example. Did you ever see uh, The Mummy with Tom Cruise? The oh, dark, God. The, the Dark Universe? It should have stayed dead. I mean, it did. I think it, I it, think it that really movie did, killed though. it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I love that movie. I've never, I've only seen it once and I've never seen it again, but I love the idea that they thought they were going to form a, uh, Avengers style team up of the oh, universal yeah. monsters, which I mean, let's be honest, that sounds pretty cool, but it does. that's not the way you handle it. <laughs> no, you don't start with Tom Cruise as the mummy. the mummy, right? That's for one thing. You don't make just some guy named Tom, you're ancient egyptian god or whatever yeah bad call um all of that was a bad call yeah but you know what shout out to them they lost a ton of money and and it's kind of funny that's all apparently they re they reworked the villain a little bit because suicide squad came out around the same time that's hysterical she was exactly the same as enchantress pretty much yeah Yeah. no you're exactly right so they cut a decent amount of the villain just out yeah, can do the outfit too. I can imagine them like kind of just like swirling around, you know. Because uh, as we know, the only problem with Suicide Squad was Enchantress. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Everything, Everything else, else is, is like perfect. Yeah, no, yeah. only Enchantress. <laughs> right, right. Anywho, speaking of Netflix, so they dropped a new movie out. Um, they dropped it in theaters a week earlier, and I saw it in theaters. I know, big flex. Six hundred theaters. Yeah, I know. Shout out to mm. them. They're 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 killing it. But uh, so Army of the Dead. This was directed by Zack Snyder, the man, the myth, the legend, and it stars Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, uh, a lot of other people uh, that I don't know how to pronounce their names because I feel like I will sound insensitive. Uh, Tig Notaro, I like her. But uh, oh, gotta love Tig. Right. Uh, but basically, you know, all you need to know about the movie is it's a zombie heist movie, and that's yes. all I needed to know before going in. I was just like, a zombie heist movie sounds like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, it's two genres that work really well with an ensemble cast. Right. And I think that that's why he chose those two genres. Yeah. And you yeah. just mash them together. And I mean, it, it's full of these tropes. You get like um, the, the montage of them doing the heist at right. the beginning is so, it's, it's so much a heist movie. I love it. Yeah. Very oceans. Oh yeah. See, like everything go well. And then you see how it all falls apart. <laughs> That's how all heist movies got to be. It's the fun part of that. You know? Oh yeah. You got to see things go wrong and see how they adapt. Or in this case, uh, people who die um, sporadically throughout the movie. Yeah. And you just got to know like, all right, who's going to survive? Me... It's like if you were watching Oceans, but every once in a while somebody gets eaten. 
Exactly. That's exactly it, the point. It just turns the stakes up. Like you still got the all of these characters that you would expect from a heist movie, like the safe cracker, especially. Right, exactly. And I I I I I, I it was enjoyable seeing them. You know, it's a standard heist movie, um, where you gotta bring in the you gotta, you know, you gotta get the crew together, you gotta make uh, the plan. The one last job. Right, one last job, exactly. Yeah. Uh and there's a funny joke that I like. Uh, early on where there's like they they don't tell people how much they're gonna make off of it and they just keep oh, yeah. offering like lower and lower amounts of money to like every new person it goes from 15 million all the way down to 20 grand right and it's, then that guy dies like like right away yeah which poor guy um i gotta yeah. say though right off the bat this has like one of the best opening credit scenes of maybe any movie like, oh my god, the cover they got for that where he's shouting like, watch out Elvis as the Elvis zombie is being crushed by an imitation of the Eiffel Tower is just... It's glorious. It was glorious. It's and, a tone that stays with the movie for the whole the whole runtime. Which right. Is, it's so over the top, but also you kind of take it seriously too, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. That's hard yeah. to do. I don't think a lot of movies itself, go there. Yeah, it takes itself seriously without like winking at the camera when it does something over the top right like it exactly does it. yeah and there's humor in the movie not like a ton but uh you know there's some little like ease uh, comic relief as i should say yeah there's a lot like, of attention but for the most part like, like zombie movie humor you know right exactly but, like the guy who totally deserves it gets eaten and it's really gruesome yeah and they like, linger on that for like two minutes and you're like yeah this is this is satisfying I'm yeah sorry. and Everyone is cheering. You're not like, oh my god. You're just like, yeah, man. That's he deserves it. Yeah, kill him. <laughs> uh, yeah, but again, I, I was just, it's impressive that Netflix, you know, they, they were very, uh, I feel like they kind of let Zack Snyder do his own thing, which I'm, all, I'm a big fan of, just letting directors kind of go crazy. Uh, Especially Snyder, of all oh, people, right, who right. has literally only had like two movies out of the eight or ten he's made two of them haven't had director's cuts. Right, uh, yeah. Guardians of, of Gahul and Man of Steel. And Man of Steel did have a director's cut. They just didn't release it. Gotcha, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I had a good time with this. I was... Uh, I know, yeah. I was scared going in because the runtime was like two hours and uh, 23 yeah. minutes. And I was like, uh-oh. Not, not, not saying... I just get afraid of runtime because I feel like if you... Uh, you know, you can make a three-hour movie feel like, you know, an hour. And then yeah, you can have a 90-minute movie feel like four. So the longer you get with a horror movie, the more you risk losing the tension. Absolutely. But I think that's why the heist movie aspect works so well. Because right. a heist movie is all about building tension throughout. And there's not like a big, necessarily like a money shot. You know, there's a, like in a horror movie with like somebody's head getting ripped off or something. Right, in a right. heist movie, there's a twist, but there's not really like a big blowout scene necessarily so much as there is like a, a sequence of like, we're finally here and we're doing it. We're robbing the place. Right. It's most of the third act. Yeah, exactly. shot For a heist movie. Yeah. And I think just the, the, the general, the general idea of this is that, so it's Las Vegas and you have a bunch of, it's a zombie infested, uh, Las Vegas that they've pretty much sectioned off to the rest of the world. They use like shipping containers to uh, kind of uh, keep them all in, in the city. And uh, this billionaire uh, has millions and millions of dollars 
uh, under the casino, you know, as you would, as you would. Um, and he hires Dave Bautista to get a crew together and uh, get the money, retrieve the money for him. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously a lot more that uh, goes on. Are we doing full spoilers? We At this point, we're doing full spoilers. Okay, because cool. all, really all you need is just that setup and just go okay. watch it because uh, it's on Netflix. It's easy to access. Yeah, uh, and I think the runtime would have been more of an issue in theaters. Yeah. It probably would have cut it down to at least two yeah. just to fit more showings in. But, but when Netflix, think, you can pause it, you know? Like, you can pause yeah. and, like, do something else and then come back to it. Snyder's movies work really well on streaming. Yeah, I you agree. Know, uh, Justice League was the same way. There's no way you're going to put a four-hour movie in a theater. Yeah. But I can't see cutting two hours out of that. Right, exactly. I don't know how the fuck he was supposed to well, do Well, I mean, they did, but look how well that turned out. Well, they cut 30 minutes and reshot an hour. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah, like, they, they literally, with the footage they had, they couldn't do it. They yeah. had to reshoot, like, so much of it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I... So, anyways, full spoilers from here on out for Army of the Dead. They did some cool stuff with, like, how, you know, normally with, like, a zombie movie, you, you're either dealing with, like, two types of zombies. You're either dealing with, like, your uh, Night of the Living Dead, The Walking Dead kind of zombies where they kind of just, like, moan and kind of stumble around. Yeah. Or you have your... Uh, 28 Days Later, World War Z exactly, kind of yeah. zombies where they're, you know, zipping around all over the place. And I thought it was cool how they had, like, different, like, levels, like, classes of zombies. I thought that was yeah. cool. You have the, like, the alpha zombies that are faster and stronger than a normal person. Mm-hmm. And they, they can, like, kind of crowd the, or not crowd, um... They can kind of wrangle the other zombies and point them in a direction. Yeah. And they can even issue orders to them. But then you also just have, like, I think they call them shamblers. Yeah. They're just walking dead zombies. They just, like, walk around. But they also hibernate, and some of them are robots. Right. They're, they glow blue, and they might be aliens. And I think they just asked, what if we did all of it? <laughs> like Let's all just the do tropes. everything. Yeah. Like, we have a list of all these tropes that we're thinking about. Instead of crossing anything off the list, let's just circle the whole fucking thing <laughs> and put everything in the movie. Because why not? No, I mean, you got nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, it's a big, fun action zombie heist movie. Like, you're already throwing everything in there. Just, there's this thing, Snyder, I've, I've been watching a lot of interviews and stuff with him mm-hmm. lately. Uh, yeah. This is kind of the year of Zack Snyder. With it really is. Justice League and Army of the Dead. He's kind of dominating streaming right now. Right. Um, he has this philosophy he talks about uh, shoot all your bullets basically if you have an idea assume this is the only movie you're going to make mm-hmm. for the rest of your life and just put everything in there <laughs> and you get a lot of that in especially like batman superman and justice league where it's all there's so much setup in that for future installments but right. with army it's more like little hints of a larger world right sprinkled throughout the whole film which makes sense because netflix has already turned it into a franchise um, yeah aren't they doing a prequel about the code breaker guy yeah we're getting a prequel about Dieter the safe cracker and we're getting an animated series that's also a prequel whoa yeah so, they're really cashing in on this yeah but i think it's cool that they're letting snyder be the one to do the sequel and they're mm-hmm. just dealing with things mm-hmm. that happened before the movie yeah, that's a good way of doing it because that way yeah. it doesn't like interfere with anything that's going to happen. It's like, and eh, this is all set up anyway. There's not a lot of like, you can't really be that mad about a pre. Well, no, you can. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
Look at you, you Star Wars. Uh, As a Star Wars fan, yes, you can yes, be mad. You can. I'm and saying you can you change can. your mind. That's true. Uh, all right. I guess I'll, I, 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 I'm not going to finish that point because uh, <laughs> all I'm saying is it's good that they're letting Snyder do anything in the future, obviously, because he's yeah. like his baby and anything he wants to do after the events. Go and crazy with he it. and uh, Shay Hatton, who helped write it, they okay. they already have a plan for um, the sequel. Cool. Like they have it all planned out, and they've said as long as there's interest, we would love to do another one. Because he's I'm... talking about how this is like the most fun he's had making a movie in a long what? time. Hey, good for him. He just, he's deserved it after all this time. Oh yeah, uh, he's he's been through some shit. And seriously. More on Snyder, actually. He was talking about this as his postmodern take on the zombie genre. Mm. Um, I think. He, his definition of postmodern is kind of reworking existing tropes, obviously, but I mean, that's just, that's every genre film. And then he plays with the timeline a little bit. He kind of plays fast and loose with believability in certain parts. Oh, sure. He he just expects the suspension of disbelief to really carry you through the movie. I mean, (laughs) you're already on board for robot aliens and like whatever the fuck else. So like, why not? This is a zombie heist movie. I'm literally expecting anything. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like his the uh, the creative philosophy, I think, is get on board or get off. Like right. you can't be halfway into the movie. Right. You're either, you're either just like, yeah, we're I'm here for it, or this is all very dumb. Right. And yeah. it is. But if you accept yeah. that, then you'll have a good time. Yeah. Uh, if you accept it, you'll realize that it's dumb, but everything is intentional. Right. And I think the emotional side of the movie, like actually kind of worked really well for me because Dave Bautista, who, and I'll, I'll say this right now, he's underrated as an actor. I oh think, my God. I think we have not yet hit the point where people are like, I don't know. I, I don't think people realize his skill set as an actor. If he can ever get that Gears of War movie going, maybe. Oh one. my goodness, that'd be incredible. But I, he's underrated and they give him a lot to work with emotionally. Um, because him and his daughter, like in the relationship between him and his daughter, uh, basically when the whole zombie outbreak happened, he had to kill, uh, his wife, you know, her mom, uh, had to like kill her. And then the daughter and her, and the daughter and him kind of got estranged. And so, you know, when he's setting up the heist, he hires some people where the daughter works around the, uh, the border of the, uh, of Las Vegas. And at first, I was like, oh, no, the daughter. Oh, this is going to be one of those things. But, like, yeah. it actually works really well emotionally. Like, you start it, – it's not anything new, per se, but, but it's, it, it's surprisingly genuine. real. Right. It's genuine. Yeah. And I think – and this – you know, Zack Snyder lost his daughter um, back in 2017, and that was a terrible tragedy. And I feel yeah. like he just put a little bit of that in this movie. I don't know. I felt like I felt like there was something – that he was trying to like, I felt like it was a, a tribute, as you will, to that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And he, he really lets his actors kind of run with their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really, there's two ways you can approach being a director, or two extremes, at least. You can be very particular in the way that like Kubrick right. and Nolan are. Um, yeah. Guillermo del Toro says Nolan has this like emotional math, and I think that's <laughs> very true. It's like, it's very, everything is, incredibly pan, uh, planned out. And mm-hmm. Snyder does the same thing, but he's kind of on the other end of the spectrum where he's open for collaboration in like a huge way. Right. There's behind the scenes footage where you'll see somebody, like an actor has, um, on Justice League, Jason Momoa had done his own costume one day. And uh-huh. he walked up to Zach and he was like, hey, what do you think? And 
two seconds, Zach is like, great, perfect, move on. <laughs> like he doesn't, he just trusts the people around him to like collaborate in a certain way. And that's not to say that directors who don't do that are doing anything wrong because they may have a very particular vision for how something has to look. But sure. it's not something that Snyder has pictured like really specifically, he doesn't mind if you bring, if like his collaborators, bleh, that's a hard word to say. He doesn't <laughs> mind if his collaborators bring this, like their own flair to it. And right. Batista, Dave Batista really talked about how he didn't want to do the movie at first because it felt like, oh, it's just another genre film. It's an action movie. I don't want to be this like kind of hot headed. Right. The monkey, macho yeah. star. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to do like, early The Rock roles, mm -hmm. basically, because it took The Rock forever to get out of that kind of typecasting, and he doesn't want that to happen to him. Right. Then he, he read the script, and he saw how much it, it really dealt with uh, his character Scott's relationship with his daughter, and you can see he brought not just emotion, but like an intelligence to the yeah. character. He, he knows the situation he's in, and he's not there because he's like this big, dumb brute. He's there because just the world has gotten him down and he just couldn't face his daughter and like dealing with that emotion. Right. And it's you over the course of the film, he does come to realize that like he hasn't been thinking about things right at all. Mm -hmm. And he's, he has been acting pretty dumb <laughs> in a lot of ways and like pushing the people around him away, right. but not in like a, you know, the big hulking kind of idiot stereotype it, right. it's very much like just this soulful guy who got hurt too bad right there's a lot more just like internal stuff he's doing with and i yeah. I, I i i like dave batista a lot and i think roles like this I'm, I'm excited to see what he does uh whatever like whatever he does in the future i'm always gonna like be interested just to see because like he's really good in this movie um and especially you know i think Arguably, he's one of the selling points of this movie. You know, like, oh, for sure. first off, it's a Zack Snyder movie, first and foremost. But yeah. I think second off, they're banking on Dave Bautista, like, as a, as a name. And I think people who come into this for him, I think they'll be happy. Because I think... They, oh, for sure. They give him something to work with. You know, it's different from your normal, like, macho guy with the gun, you know, chick, chick, boom. Yeah, it was more like his role in Blade Runner. where Exactly, he's, yeah. He's huge and he's dangerous, but that's not like the focus of his character right it's just he just happens to be huge and dangerous exactly yeah 110 percent. i completely agree uh yeah so i i i will say uh <laughs> i did see this in a theater and the length did get to me a bit but mm -hmm. i feel like i i agree with what you're saying i think seeing it on streaming is better because then you can take a break if you're feeling a little out of it you know get a snack or something and then come back and you'll be into it um but I mean, as far as like an, you know, as far as letting him do his own thing, I think it succeeds really well. It's a fun movie. You know, you get excited when things are like ramping up because I mean, obviously the heist goes wrong because of course it does, and the zombies, uh, you know, come out to attack them, and it gets you know characters start dying left and right. The biggest shock of the movie is uh, I don't remember her name, but uh, almost the love interest. Um, yeah, the girl uh, who Anna De La. Uh, Le... Anna de la Reguera. I yeah, right. And she's kind of like with... Maria. Is her yeah, name. Maria. She's with Scott the whole movie as kind of like, you know, his right-hand lady. Um, and, and they kind of said... They kind of hint at like maybe some sort of romance relationship maybe. And then... He's the one who really like 
helps him see that he hasn't been thinking about things right. You know, exactly. That, helps that flip in his character. But as soon as he starts to accept her help and open up, she dies. Literally oh. after that scene, she gets her head literally like, that second. She's like, I'm coming with you through this door. They open the door and she dies. And I was like, oh, like I legitimately like uh, yelled in, my, in the theater and there was a lot of people there, but I was like, whoa, just because I didn't like, I. <laughs> it was a nice oh, tender yeah. moment. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cute. Ah! Yeah. Um, the second yeah. that door opened and there's a zombie there, you're like, oh God. And then the, the little, the thing pops out of her neck. Ugh. Oh, eh. yeah. I was like, Oof. I'm always a fan the of- The in this was- it wasn't just like gore for the sake of gore. It was gore to be like as unique as possible. Right. It's to get a reaction out of you, but it's also, you know, kind of cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like when, um, what's his name? The asshole gets half his face bitten off by the yeah, tiger. Yeah. That looked fucking awesome. Right. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Normally you see a guy just get like chomped on the face, but here you see him like eat that head like an apple. Right. And you're like, it's, oh my God. By yeah. the way. We, we forgot to mention, we should mention, uh, there's a zombie tiger in this movie and there's, a zombie horse. A zombie tiger named and Valentine. And it's literally the coolest thing I think I've ever seen. Snyder loves his horses. You know, uh, you're uses, not wrong. You're not yeah. wrong. Uh, they're, for him, they're omens. They're bad omens, usually. Uh, they signal some, uh, symbolize death, mm. usually. In uh, Batman versus Superman, he refers to the four horsemen a lot. Mm. Uh, they're kind of it's implied that the four horsemen are the, the DC Trinity of Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and then you get Lex Luthor as like the, the fourth horseman. Right. Death follows with him. Um, you, you see in, I think, yeah, the, the Snyder Cut of Justice League had a horse. Batman starts off the movie on a horse. He does, he does. He does. Uh, in this one, you have a literal dead person riding a literal dead horse which is very on the nose but like but it's it cool. knows it's on the nose <laughs> right. yeah and they make it awesome right and i again i i cannot there are very few movies i can name off the top of my head not have a premise this silly but execute it on a way where it's like yes but also we're gonna make it awesome you know like yeah. i don't know something it's like not that. just it's not just subverting a trope right and like winking at the camera. He talked a lot about this in the behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't want to wink at the camera, but he also wants the audience to know that like the people making this movie are on board. Like, right. They, they know get what, it. They know what you want and they'll give it yeah. to you. you and they're they're going to give it to you, but it's just not what you're expecting. Right. Like we're going to have the buzzsaw and you're going to get a buzzsaw scene, but it's right at the beginning. And then when the buzzsaw pays off later, it's just a cut through a wall. Yep. That's not what you were expecting. Yeah, exactly. That's a good example. Yeah, because something like this, and then did you ever see uh, Overlord a few years ago? Yes. Yeah, oh, something like Overlord. that. Overlord is like a World War II zombie-ish movie, and it's delightful because, again, yeah. takes itself seriously, but also it's goofy as hell, and it's got like that connectivity that I think is really important. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, now, I will say, I'm curious to see where this goes, because the movie ends, and I mean, pretty much everyone but the daughter dies. Um, yeah. We don't see Gita die. I wish I, we would have had confirmation on that, honestly. I think that was a product of the reshoots. Okay. Uh, for people who don't know, Chris D'Elia, the comedian, was uh, originally cast in the role, but mm. he had some uh, a lot of sexual misconduct allegations. Yeah. That, People took pretty seriously because there's a lot of evidence for him. So he he got cut from the film entirely and replaced with Tig Notaro. 
Which uh, you can't tell. You cannot tell. You cannot tell. tell except for maybe one shot you can't tell in the whole movie, which right. is insane. Yeah. Like, Warner that's Brothers impressive. Couldn't, WB couldn't get rid of a, a fucking mustache, but Snyder managed to replace an entire human being. Yeah. In his that's movie. Yeah. So cool. Like, I didn't... I, and I didn't know the, the Ching Nataro thing until after I saw the movie, and I'm like, no way. Really? No, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't look anything up about this movie because I just heard zombie heist movie with Zack Snyder. You don't like, need to hear anything else, right? That's all you need. That's literally the pit. <laughs> Zack Snyder probably walked up to Netflix and he said, "Zombie heist movie," and they're like, "Here's here's a bunch ninety of money. million dollars, right?" Yeah. And I think it, the cool thing is with a budget of ninety million dollars, like it feels much bigger than the budget. You know what I mean? Like, it, it felt does. like... It It felt like a big, like, gigantic, like, blockbuster. And it is, but, like, I don't know. I was impressed by the scale of the whole thing. Just because, like, you know, there's millions of zombies everywhere, and, you know, there's, like, a big, you know, an ensemble... Yeah, yeah they have a, a whole CG Las Vegas, and they're right. doing, like, stunts where they're jumping off of roofs and yeah. into helicopters and flying through the whole city. And Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it really looks, I would have guessed at least 120, 140. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But again, it just shows if you use the budget well, like no one will, you know, tell. And I think the CGI like is consistently great throughout. Like all the zombies look awesome. (laughs) Oh my God. They look fantastic. Yeah. I think credit goes to the VFX team. They, they made sure that anything the actors touch or anything like on the ground level is real. That's all practical. Mm -hmm. And then from like shoulder height up, is cg right yeah. and that's I, that, it's impressive man it's impressive but the thing is and i so i thought you know so in the end of the movie uh uh dave batista uh the daughter the uh health worker and king nataro are all in a helicopter and the yeah. king zombie like kind of the alpha zombie like uh jumps into the helicopter and there's like this huge brawl and pretty much everyone dies except for uh except for the daughter, and you see that the uh, Dave Bautista got bitten. And they have, like, this really emotional moment where, and this happens in a lot of zombie movies, but again, like, if you, that's the thing, if you you have tropes, but if you can still make you feel something while executing said tropes, then you're fine. You've literally yeah. done nothing wrong. Um, but that's, they made me that's feel. That's kind of the point of genre in a lot of ways. Right, yeah. You just gotta execute it well. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. But they, they have this really emotional send-off to Dave Batista, and, you know, he turns into a zombie, and the daughter has to shoot him. And I was like, oh, man, that's sad. And I think, like, a helicopter flies over, and they play, like, a, uh, a cover of, uh, uh, of uh, Zombie, which I was a uh, big fan of. And then... It works I, on many levels, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but then the movie fades to black, and I'm like, oh, it's over. Okay. And then it keeps going for, like, I don't know, yeah. seven more minutes, where it's revealed that... Uh, the uh, I, you're better with the names in this movie than I am. Uh, Omari Hardwick plays him. He's got a an Omega tattoo that's actually Hardwick's, but um, Ooh, that's cool. I I just call him Omega because we Omega? have the zombie who begins yeah. it and then Omega who ends it. There you go. Yeah, but uh, Omega he pretty much like so he gets like locked in the safe as sort of a sacrifice. Um, yeah. Not the bad Probably sacrifice, Dieter. a good sacrifice because yeah. he's like trying to be saved. And he, you and know we don't actually see Dieter die either that's true they can bring him back they can bring i would love to see another movie with the two of them both being yeah their bromance is delightful just Um, a zombie bromance i'm on board exactly that's all you need the uh but they 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 end with him like somehow crawling out of the uh the rubble because last week it's just uh nuked you know as as it would 
in a zombie apocalypse. And he gets out and, you know, he, he has like a lot of money and I'm like, oh, good for him. And he gets on a plane, you know, a really rich jet. I'm like, oh man, you know, he's living it up. And then he starts to cough and I'm like, oh, oh. And then he goes to the, you know, the bathroom of the plane and it's realized he got bitten. Uh, so the plane is going, where did they say the plane was going to? Mexico City. Mexico City. So the world's pretty much screwed. Um, and that was a delightful bit of nihilism to add the movie on. Yeah, he looks right into the camera and just says, fuck. Right. credit. And that's perfect. perfect. Right. That's all you needed. Uh, but yeah, I I thought it was fun. Like, it's a fun movie and there's not... Uh, you know, I mean, it's not like a masterpiece or anything, but as far well, as you're a, seeing the, the cycle start to repeat, you know, this right. is the philosopher soldier who like literally a philosopher we see in the opening, mm-hmm. uh, in the opening credits, we didn't actually mention this. You see a lot of the characters on what is essentially a film set. Yeah. Holding like a family photo of them, of their characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think that that to me was the first sign that the movie was speaking on like a more meta textual level yeah uh because you you literally see like these archetypal characters outside of the movie giving you like a little snapshot of their past right like quite literally um yeah and and, i appreciate that that's a cool way to like introduce character i mean they introduce them later but yeah and um omega as i call him he he's this philosopher soldier who he's literally buried this like darker part of himself this more violent part of himself in the desert with his buzzsaw Mm -hmm. like six feet under the dirt and in the first act of the movie you see him go out into the desert and dig it up because he kind of wants to do it (laughs) i want to go back you know right and he he's trying to get some kind of catharsis and he's trying to kind of face his own demons but in doing so he kind of realizes or comes to realize i think that like he's really drawn to this and this is just almost a part of human nature is war. And right. I think that to me is part of the meta textual narrative um, outside of even politics, which <laughs> we could get into politics because there's literally uh, another species that's been walled off. <laughs> Seriously. And this was written a couple of years ago. Right. And, a, and then you watch it and you're like, Oh, marginalized like others who have been walled off and then it's declared not the u.s and it's nuked by congress like right. it's very you're it like can get oh. political but it it doesn't take that as seriously it makes at least jokes it's very satirical right it's not it's not the forefront right yeah i yeah. mean you're watching a zombie heist movie there's not uh you know you don't want to you don't want to get distracted that easy but there are moments where you're like oh wait a second yeah you're uh, seeing these but i, I want to talk uh about the meta narrative a bit and that you see this billionaire hire these like lower class people to go in and get this money that he doesn't actually care about right it's actually it's all just about getting like zombie blood or a zombie brain for weapons research essentially i mean that's what they wanted from the very beginning that's what the u.s military wanted and we see him meeting this billionaire meeting with generals later in the film they just they want these zombies again so they can study them but right he's sending these people in under false pretenses into a war to destroy what is essentially a new species that just wants to live it's you know we're we're seeing literally like elites send lower class people out to war to fight someone who's not the real enemy Mm -hmm. in an endless cycle 
Yeah. You know, and we literally, and speaking on that endless cycle, we literally see a version of the team dead. I wanted to bring this up. Ball. Yeah. There's like a time, there's a, there's a, there's a moment in the film where the, uh, the bromance of, uh, of the, uh, the, the code breaker and the, uh, and Omega, um, where they talk about like, Hey man, what if we're in like a time loop sort of thing? And you pointed this out to me because I had no idea. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, share it for. Voice. Yeah, you see um, this previous team that had been sent in to do the same thing, or presumably to do the same thing. We don't really know why they were there, but we know that at a certain point they decided to break into the vault. Maybe right. they were sent there to get the alpha, and they eschewed that mission to go get some money. Right. And that's why, like, on the second mission, they just tell people, no, we're here for money and right. send someone off secretly to get the zombie. Yeah. But anyway, you, you see this second team. They're just skeletons at this point. I mean, it's been two years since Vegas has been walled off, so we don't know exactly how long ago this was. But at presumably at least, like, six months. Oh, yeah. I don't know how long it takes for the body to decay down to just bones, but <laughs> not a couple of weeks. Um they're literally dressed in the exact same clothes as the main character. As the main character, which is crazy. They're wearing the same necklaces and bandanas and all of this stuff. And yeah, he's opining on like, maybe this is uh, an endless cycle that mm. we're being constant, we're constantly going through. And then uh, Dieter says something about unlocking the safe and on the other side, there being either destruction or rebirth. Uh, I think they're kind of talking or speaking on genre as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeing these character archetypes get put through the same story over and over and over again. Yeah. At the end, there's either destruction or rebirth. And it, it really depends on what story the artist is trying to tell. And I think that comes from or my, my thoughts on that come from at the very end, Omega is quoting Joe Campbell, the guy mm -hmm. who, uh, yeah. <laughs> wrote down he kind of established the idea of the hero's journey this mm -hmm. like mono myth that's been told since the dawn of time like right going into your deepest darkest most or uh, your innermost cave and facing your fears it's not a sex thing i'm, I'm speaking metaphorically <laughs> and it can be not on the other side either destroyed or like transcended in some way and mm -hmm. you can see especially with omega you can see for him he he wanted he's this character who wants this catharsis like I can go back, I can face like this trauma that I went through yeah. uh, in like what they call the zombie wars. Cause why not? Let's just call it sure. zombie. And he goes back to Vegas and what does he find? He just finds death. You know, he just loses more. Mm -hmm. Not, it's not necessarily what he's looking for. Right. Or maybe it is, you know, maybe in the sequel he's become something more and he's like the new alpha. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, you're, you're uh, right. There's a lot. There's a lot going on underneath I just, this movie. I don't really know how to articulate exactly what I think. Yeah, he's trying to say. I, I want to watch the movie over and over and over again. And I think Snyder, in a lot of ways, intends his movies to be rewatched. Uh, re mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of things, especially in like the first half of the movie, that you don't notice the first time. Right. There's so it's so much movie. There's so much info. Like yeah. literally in the first 45 seconds of the movie, there are UFOs flying over Area 51. Right. Yeah. Right. And like 
I didn't notice that the first time. <laughs> yeah, like, something that you notice in the background, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. yeah. And in any other movie, you're like, oh, that's a fun Easter egg. But this is literally, this is Area 51, and these zombies are glowing blue and trying to start a new species. Right, there's literally robot zombies. Like, what? Yeah. Like, you gotta, you gotta be What the fuck them. is up with the robots? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, they just bring them in, and it's like, yeah, okay, all right, cool. Somebody asked Tim Snyder about that, and he said, I don't know. He's like, I, yeah, I know what it is, but I'm not telling. Adam Boy. Robots there. Who knows? I respect that. Maybe he'll Watch get into movie. it in the sequel yeah. if they knew it. Just sequel. enjoy the movie. Like, right. there's robots in it. You're either on board or you're not. Right. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. You're either on board or you're not. And, you know, if you stick with it, you might have a good time. If you don't, that's fine. But I think... It's a lot more like... It's a lot more like that than I think uh, Dawn of the Dead was. Yeah, and that's a good that's a good transition if you uh, if you're ready for the transition. Sure. All right. So getting into uh, movie of the week this week, we have picked the 2004 Dawn of the Dead, not the George A. Romero original, but the Zack Snyder uh, 2004 remake. And I just gotta get this out of the bat right away. I haven't seen the original. I know I'm a hack, and uh, <laughs> but I'll watch it at some point. But I gotta say, man, the dude knows how to do a zombie movie. He really does. He takes a lot from Romero's work. Yes. Like, a lot. I uh, imagine. Even yeah. in Army, there are scenes that are, like, straight out of Romero's movies. But, right. Right. Yeah, well, watching Army, I actually noticed that there are a couple of moments from Dawn, his version of Dawn of the Dead that get referenced in Army. Uh, okay. And, yeah, like, the scene where... um. Oh my God, the rookie girl who, instead of getting killed almost immediately, like you're expecting, mm-hmm. which is another inversion of these tropes that I, I really love, you actually get to see her be a badass and right. try and fight her way out, and she almost makes it. But when yeah. she dies, it's because they shoot a gas tank and it explodes. In Dawn of the Dead, that's a huge part of like the third. That's act. true. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I right. forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. The um. So real quick, just uh. So Zach uh. Zach Snyder directed. This is Dawn of the Dead 2004. Uh, a group of survivors takes refuge in a shopping mall after the world is taken over by aggressive flesh-eating zombies. So this one, not in Las Vegas, it's in a shopping mall. And you think that would get boring, but it doesn't. But this star is... Uh, also very... It's a lot of Americana. Oh, yeah. You know, there's the suburbs and the shopping mall. And I, I think that that works really well with the genre as a whole. Absolutely. Zombies are the one horror movie monster where it's actually us. Right. Like society is the monster. Oh yeah. When you think about it, so society, it man. Perfect. Yeah, no. It yeah, works. it works perfectly to put it in this like very iconic, like part of the American fabric, which is a shopping mall. Right. So this stars uh, Sarah Pauli, Ving Rhames, Shake Weber, Mackay Pfeiffer, Ty Burnell, Matt Brewer, Michael Kelly. A lot of like, no one in this movie is like really an A-lister, but it's all people that you like recognize. You know, you're like, wait a minute, I've seen that somewhere, and you look her up, and you're like, oh, that's where she's from. Um, but, and then, so not only did Zack Snyder direct this, this is written by my freaking boy, James Gunn. Uh, I, I didn't was know unaware that. of that until very recently. That's incredible. <laughs> it makes, it makes perfect sense. Oh yeah. In, like how fun it is. Right. It is. There's a lot of like comedy moments in this movie. Like there are moments where the movie kind of stops for a joke and it lands pretty well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zombies as a genre, it's very, it's pretty morbid. It's very dark. So oh, yeah. I like that Snyder's zombie movies make room for a lot of humor. 
Right, right. It's not like lighthearted, but it's no. This is no. a very I, Dawn of the Dead is pretty nihilistic uh, by the time it all ends. And I mean, you don't it, see everybody die, but it's, but it's assumed, that, right? Or and even if they don't, the implication of the final scene is at least that there's nowhere to go that's safe. Right, right. And I think right off the bat, this movie, and again, Snyder and his openings, man, but the first 10 minutes of this movie is like the direct outbreak of the zombie virus. And you see the the main character, whose name is, I'm looking this up and I'll get it, her name is Anna. So the main character, Anna, she goes home to her husband and they, the daughter asks if she can go play. And, you know, she goes out and uh, the... You know, Anna and her husband, they, uh, you know, have some sexy time, as you would. But uh, while that's happening, there's a, uh, a, a, news, a newsreel that's like, hey, there's like a virus going on. But of course, they can't hear it because they're, uh, uh, yeah. And uh, I, right off the bat, they wake up and the daughter's a zombie. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we're really going into the child zombie this early. All right, strap in. Oh, yeah. And from there on, it's literally, like, it's breakneck. Because the daughter fights the husband. The husband turns into a zombie. And she's got to, like, escape and get out of there. And the neighborhood's overrun with zombies. And then she's in the car. And, like, zombies are, you know, attacking. It's, like, wild. It starts out crazy. Yeah. It goes 0 to 60 in, like, 10 seconds. Which works perfect. Oh, yeah. And I think Um, sometimes with zombie movies especially when they're slower zombies you tend to get like a little like all right they could easily outrun them but for someone like this it happens so fast immediately like you know they're jumping around and like running it, it, it gets very intense right away which i'm a fan yeah they are immediately everywhere right uh, i think snyder has this quirk i i will call it a quirk where he kind of wants to check to see if you're on board with the movie mm-hmm. pretty early into the film um, a good example would be like Batman Superman. First 10 minutes, they shoot Jimmy Olsen in the face. Right. So either you're on board for that kind of movie or like turn it off now. Like it's not going to get like simpler, you know, um, with Army of the Dead, I think it would be when in the opening credits, you see this mother who's like, I think it's her daughter that she found, or at least a girl she managed to save. Yeah. While looking for her own daughter. You just see the two of them get smushed by this giant crate as yeah. they fall on the zombies. Yeah, like oh my god, this is this is dark, dark. Like right. Right. anyone can die, and everyone probably will. Exactly. Kind of like a, it's just this little like flag that's planted near the the start of the film, and like the first twenty minutes that just says, "Hey, like get on board." And for me, with uh, Dawn of the Dead, that's that scene where the daughter bites the husband who immediately comes after them, uh, the mom yeah, and, right. and she yeah. climb out the bathroom window. And then there's this shot of all of suburbia. It, this, it pans down like a couple of different streets and just fucking everything is gone and everyone's right. dead and people are on fire. And it's like, Oh, we're here. We're in it. There's no like slowing down. Oh yeah, from here on out, like it's just insanity. And you see her driving along, and there's like this bird's eye view shot where this like truck comes careening through uh, across like the highway and like slams another car into a gas station. The gas station like just blows up, and it's like, oh yeah. wow, 
um, we're into it. And then, I love that. And the right. guy who pulls the gun, her neighbor pulls a gun on her. Yeah. And there's a tense moment and he's just hit by a car. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that really established the tone for me too. I'm like, oh, that's as funny as this movie is going to get is like a guy getting hit by a car is like a joke for this movie. Exactly. Like that's yeah. Lot, that's the line. So <laughs> you can only get like gorier and crazier from here. Right. So she meets up with Ving Rhames and quick aside about Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames, I don't think people understand how, like, I think, I feel people overlook him because he's been in like some of the most popular movies of all time because he's in like Pulp Fiction. He's in the Mission Impossible stuff. You know, he's like, I feel like, he had his moment there in like the nineties, early two thousands, okay. where like he was everywhere. Ving Rhames fucking killed it. Right, he's great. I love Ving Rhames in this movie. Right, he's so fun because he's like the you know take no bullshit officer, and you would think that he'd be like an antagonist, but no, like you completely understand where he's coming from. You know, it's like listen, he just wants to survive. As is that that's the thing. As with everyone in this movie, they just want to survive, and they'll do sometimes nefarious means to make sure that happens. But yeah, you get all of these archetype, these, I mean, they're all very kind of stereotypical characters. Right. But like, you know, that, that works. The genre has these archetypes because they're like aspects of the human condition and they're different ways that people respond to this kind of thing. And you just condense it down into like an extreme version. Right. You put a bunch of those people in that situation. You just let them yell at each other and you get a lot of <laughs> drama out of that. Pretty much. And I, I, I like how zombie, I like, I, I specifically lean towards zombie movies that focus on like relationships between yeah. people. And I think this did a really good job because it's kind of like a found family sort of thing where it's like, these are the only people in the, in the area that are like alive. And of course, yeah, you're not really seeing a lot of like the people they used to know. Right. Yeah. Cause it's they're all zombies. Just, yeah. The world is over and these are the people you have now. Right. And yeah. so this whole movie, like, 80% of it takes place in a shopping mall. And, yeah. you know, I feel like some person, if you were, if you weren't as talented as Snyder and Gunn are, I feel like you can make this movie incredibly boring um, yeah. and repetitive, but it keeps switching up the locations. It keeps switching up the characters. There's a lot of, again, the debt, you're, you're still wondering like, okay, who's going to bite the bullet? Who's going to survive this thing? And they keep, they keep you on your toes throughout it. And I'm, I, I, I'm a big fan of, because with a zombie movie, and especially something like this, I feel like it's incredibly easy to get bored. And I think, especially with Dawn of the Dead, it moves at such a pace where it's like, we, we gotta move to the next thing. Like, here's the next story beat. Here's the next character beat. Here's the next problem. Like, they really yeah. attack everything head on. And I appreciate that a lot. I want to talk about zombie babies. Okay. All right. All right. Yes, we must discuss the zombie baby. That is the scariest thing uh, maybe I've ever seen. Ooh, so good. I love the scene where um, Ving Rhames and the father of the zombie baby are talking about who they are and like what they want to do with like whatever they can salvage of their life. Right. And he's he's talking about how this baby is everything I have, mm -hmm. you know. And I think it, it's really sad that in America you have an immigrant and uh, a black man and their their kid just it's fucked from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, which seriously. Works because it's a commentary on the world we live in. Oh, yeah. it, so it, it makes perfect sense, but god damn, that scene is rough. Oh yeah. Because that is harrowing. They 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 lean early on where his pregnant wife, she gets sicker and sicker. Do they ever show the bite? 
it's a scratch on a okay. phone. So there's right. always the there's always the possibility that the scratch wouldn't kill her. Yeah. Until they cut, they go from like she's kind of sweaty, and it's like who knows, maybe just it's a hard pregnancy, and she's been locked in a shopping mall for a few weeks, and like right. you're not gonna look great. I get it. I wouldn't. Uh-huh. But then the next scene we see her in, she's just like full zombie. There's blue veins all over her face. Right. Makai Piper literally like straps her as a zombie down to a bed to like try and see if the baby isn't a zombie somehow. I don't know why you wouldn't think that, but I mean, I'm a little sad. It didn't eat its way out. Oh goodness. They hit that early on and I was about to scream. I'm like, Oh my God, are they really going to do this? (laughs) They do, but not, they don't, they don't go as far as I thought they were going to go, which I'm thankful for. It's almost more like emotionally brutal to just yeah. at be holding the baby yeah. and like uncover its face and be like, oh, we have to kill this thing. Yeah. Like seeing the baby do something violent. Because and they, it still they has go... like the feel of a human baby then. It's not right. a monster. And this one, especially, I feel like it go like again, right off the bat, it tells you, like, hey, look, you might have fun during this movie, but this is ultimately going to be kind of nihilistic and dark and they keep reminding you of that throughout again with the child uh dying in the first you know or undying uh in the first five ten minutes and then with the zombie baby it's like oh my god like that's dark and it's i'm a big fan again i don't get scared all that often but during that scene i was like giggling out of fear i was like (laughs) i'm in danger uh like i even i know what's happening when i watch that scene it still gets me a little Right. Yeah. And I don't know. Again, emotionally, there's a lot of emotional. I think this one, especially uh, Army of the Dead has its emotional moments, but I feel like Dawn of the Dead does a much better job with its emotion because there's a lot of, again, playing with relationships like this. You see like, oh, okay, these people are lovers. These people are, you know, mother and daughter, like that sort of thing. You see all the relationships. And when those relationships are torn apart, that's where the drama comes in. And I I was. Oh it's much much less of an action film than yeah. Army was. Right. Which, I mean, which makes sense. I think they had less of a budget for one and it's it's all in one location. Uh, Army is a lot more frenetic. You're moving from place to place. So it, it makes sense that Army would have a lot more action. And then because of that, probably just like more fun in general. Yeah. Uh, Dawn is a lot more about embracing the genre as a whole and just not like trying to change it too much, but just getting it right and doing it really well and right and the fact that you're following off of someone like george a romano like the fact that he's able to have a movie that stands on its own like and it's actually like really really good yeah like that's impressive it's more about just proving it can be done by someone other than george (laughs) yeah exactly right Uh, And, and then army is like all right well what what else could we do with this concept let's go crazy with it you know Speaking of which, they have a zombie baby in Army of the Dead also. It's uh, Alpha and his queen have their baby. Uh, It's a big motivation for Alpha, actually. Mm -hmm. It really, it kind of humanizes him and it shows that he's capable of emotion and creating life? Yeah. That's a big question mark. It's probably some alien thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, unless there's some zombie sex thing that we're not seeing, but thank God. I don't know if I want to see that. Honestly, I'm surprised we didn't see sure. that. Yeah, yeah. With a movie like this. Right. I, yeah. I'm a little upset. I kind of wish we had seen that. That would have <laughs> been fun. I agree. I agree. 
No, you, 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 I'm, I'm coming around. Cheering zombies, like that scene in Crank at the bus station. Exactly. Zombies. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I want. But yeah, I think the most emotional scene in the movie was there's a father daughter couple that uh, makes their way into the mall where all the survivors are hiding, and yeah. it's re- it's revealed that the father is infected, and they have to shoot him because he's going to turn and like infect other people. And I don't know. There's just a really like there's a very restrained approach to it where it's not like this big overdramatic dad I love you kind of thing it's just very like intimate and respectful and they give you the time to like he has a proper goodbye with the daughter and then they take him out I was just impressed like a genuine moral argument about what do we do here and in the end the like conclusion I think the movie comes to is you can shoot him but you can't kill him like they stay with him and they wait for him to die right like they're there and they're ready, but they choose not to take that preemptive measure, even though it may it might make them more safe. Right, they and they, they hold on to that humanity, which I think, in a lot of ways, is a, what the movie's about. Oh yeah, there's and a lot of there's all, a lot of lines in there where it's like, all right, you're waiting till every last second, and then you're you know, exactly you're that's literally what he says before he dies. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, it's in this new world. You know, nothing is there's nowhere that's safe, which we learn at the end of the movie, but. Mm-hmm the idea that you should still stick to your guns and try and do the right thing is pretty prevalent, at least in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing I really like is, again, it's overall a very dark movie as far as content goes. But in the middle, there's a a false sense of like optimism that, you know, they might make it out of it. And I think it's, it, it was a fun departure where it's like, oh, things are looking up, you know, like people are surviving in the mall. They're starting to like come together. There's just, my, one of my favorite parts of the movie is there's a relationship that uh, Ving Rames has with this guy all the way, like a few buildings away yes. uh, who owns a gun Andy. store. Right. Andy, the gun store guy. Yeah. Right. And they can't obviously talk to each other, but they communicate via writing messages on whiteboards and they're like playing chess and stuff. And they 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 build that relationship really well so that when it all comes crashing down, again, they build the character up so that you can actually feel something. They are archetypes, but that's not they don't let that get in the way of the emotional core of the movie. And that's what I respect about Tyler the Dead. Yeah, there's a I can't put my finger on a, any specific scene, but there are a lot of moments I think in less successful ensemble horror movies where you try and establish like, hey, you should care about this character. They're a real person. But it's so clear that you're just setting them up to die. Right. In Dawn of the Dead, it's a lot more about what the movie's trying to say with that relationship between like these two characters or how you're meant to reflect on how this person is responding to the world around them. Right. It's more about the person than it is like, hey, we're going to make it hurt when they die. Yeah, and I I, I, I I, respect that because I think, again, in a bad horror movie, you're rooting for people to die. And even in a good yeah. horror movie, you're rooting for people to die. Oh, yeah, and we get that for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are characters who are like, all right, I cannot wait for you to die. Um, and, you know, they kill them off in pretty size. Although we also, in Dawn, we get, we have two characters like that. We have CJ, the security guard, mm-hmm. who actually has a heroic death. Right, he gets a redemptive arc through the movie. Yeah, he's literally at one point locked in a room. Uh, he's like this very, I'm going to say like, it's like macho kind of right wing, kind of doesn't like the gays. Yeah. 
loves the like loves the guns says tough shit a lot like that right. kind of guy and he's literally locked in a cage and um the gay man in the movie literally just explains to him what his life was like yeah. growing up as a gay man and he's like forced to deal with this new information and you can see he doesn't like it right. but by the end of the movie you can see he's he's kind of changed oh he yeah learned that all these people around him deserve at least some sort of respect mm-hmm. yeah and that he was not giving that at the beginning and then you also have this like he feels like a hollywood executive type almost right got, yeah. he's got a boat and he's an asshole and he's always wearing a suit he wears silk pajamas sometimes and he's <laughs> always drinking and he's the one who doesn't get a redemption and you i kind of wish we could have seen him really like get got yeah but i understand that i understand the choice to not do it but i really wish we'd had that scene like we did in army where uh right just gets fucking torn to shreds <laughs> i wanted that for him right yeah i agree i think i i, I my only counter to that would be maybe they just want to get they, they got to get to that ending and they got to kill off like whoever they need to kill off before the- yeah it was already kind of a, a long movie for a horror especially for your first like your debut film yeah but again as a debut it's so impressive that it was able to oh work God. as well yeah and again as a debut you're doing a remake as your first movie oh my god like the, the amount of vitriol you have coming if you screw this up but oh yeah. like people really like this movie like this movie is well regarded as a remake like people say this is one of the best remakes yeah. of all time and i mean snyder, I and, snyder and gunn are two of the filmmakers who are still take who are taking the biggest swings right oh yeah mm-hmm. and they awesome. always take big swings oh yeah uh, like guardians was such a risk nobody knew who they were yeah know? we didn't know who they were and the elevator pitch for that movie must have sounded like a crazy guy at a bus stop it was, was like the, the talking 80s. tree and a raccoon but it worked. It worked oh, yeah. because James Gunn just embraced it. Yeah. And he did that with, um, he did have an R-rated version of the Scooby-Doo script that was even crazier. And I oh, I, I, Don't you wish we would have seen that? Yeah. There yeah. were other Hanna-Barbera characters involved. And uh, I think Shaggy and Scooby actually like carried a bong around the whole time. Like that's, that's incredible. But, but just these big swings... And yeah, like you said, coming out with a remake as your first feature film, like that's insane. Oh yeah. But he loves the he loves genre films and he loves this kind of storytelling. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna do what I really want to, and that's this movie. Right. And yeah. He, had, he was working on other scripts at the time, but to take that on as your first movie is. Oh my god. I love I love it when somebody takes a risk, and I am so much more likely to give them the benefit of the doubt if they do that. Right, yeah, because you're like, all right, this guy's gonna swing for the fences. He's like go the army and the cinematography of army, where no stops on the camera. It's most of the screen is blurry most of the time. Yeah, but it it works because it's kind of like you said, it's a little bit postmodern and it's all kind of dreamy and time doesn't really make so much sense in it anyway. And <laughs> there should have been radiation, but we're just not dealing with it. And all eh, who cares? Because yeah. like, who cares? We're we're here for all the tropes and all the fun. So, yeah, yeah. And as, as long as you're taking these big swings, I'm just, I'm on board, you know? I'm right. willing to go on the ride with you. Of course, yeah, and I think that's important. And the thing is, and I want to I wanna bring up the ending really quick, because, uh, so, you know, the, the band of survivors, 
who survived the movie, uh, hop on the boat, and it's realized it's realized that kind of the 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 male love interest of the movie got bitten in the finale, yeah. and it's just this again. It relies more on emotion, and you know he has to say he kind of pushes off the boat. They kind of wave at each other, and you know he shoots himself because obviously he doesn't see, want to be a zombie. We see Anna reacting to it more than anything. Yeah, and I, I like he, that. We never really saw her deal with her grief. You know, mm-hmm. she literally loses her family in the opening of the film. And, and I the moment she tries to like let that grief out, she's interrupted because she's got like hospital stuff to do because she's yeah, a nurse, you know? Yeah, she has these constant obligations and new threats. And right. we finally get to see like this meditative moment for her where she's like, oh, I really did lose everything. Right, but yeah. He still looks her in the eye and he says like, it's going to be okay. These people need you now. Yeah. Go with them. And so and, you, really, you do get this like this arc for her that isn't it's it's not spoken out loud. And I no. think that happens in a lot of Snyder's films where it's easy to not notice a character's arc if you're watching something else. Because there's there's always a couple of things going on, which is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, it, it makes it harder if you're just watching the movie casually. To well, really- that's why he's divisive. That's why, yeah. like, he, his work is not for everyone. And some of his movies really aren't for me all that much. But you can't... He's got... He, he sticks to his guns. He's not going to, like, uh, you know... He's not going to not be himself, you know? You got to... Yeah. If you're not with it, then you're not with it. If you're for it, then you're all with it, you know? Uh, Honestly, that's that's the kind of filmmaking I like. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's just unique. Um, he's really focused on tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks sometimes about how tone is like the most important thing for a film. Right. You know? um, and Todd Phillips is a lot like that too. He was talking about that with Joker. Mm-hmm. Where this, this whole movie, you kind of get this overwhelming sense of dread. Yeah. Right? With Dawn, it's kind of there too. And sporadically, you'll get a little humor here and there, but it's all like graveyard humor. Like, mm-hmm. Well, and, and as soon as the third act picks up like it is downright yeah. almost downright depressing and the oh reason God, yes. <laughs> uh, and that was like maybe the most like depressing credits i've ever like sat through because all right so you know the male love interest dies uh anna and her the rest of whoever survived are off on this boat to an island and the credits are rolling right but every like after every little uh credits um, you know, they name their names or whatever. And every like five seconds, they'll cut to like videotape of like them on the boat. And it just gets more and more dour where it's like, oh, now they ran out of food. Oh, you know, then they found a, a boat with a, an empty boat with a cooler with a head in it. Yeah. Oh no, their boat's on fire. Like it just gets more and more depressing. Well, it, it starts with tits. That's true. That's true. So it What's starts true? like high note. Right. And then it goes all the way down to like the lowest of the lows. Where the literal last few seconds in the movie are, you see them get on an island and it's like found footage. But you see them getting on an island, the dog like barks to run toward it. And then you see a bunch of zombies on the island. And as a viewer, you're like, oh. And then it ends and it's like, that's a cool note to end on, you know? Yeah. It's, I like that you don't see the characters die necessarily. So yeah. the message isn't really like, and they're all fucked. The end, it's more like, you can't escape this world. Yeah, yeah. These zombies are everywhere. Nowhere is safe. And like, they they still found some kind of like community and family, right? right. But like, they didn't find safety. For a little while. And then, yeah, you know. for now. 
Right, exactly. But, yeah, man, I was really impressed with this, especially as a debut. This might be, honestly, might be one of my favorite Snyder movies, just in general, because it's it's so well-made, it's oh, yeah. really well-performed, All the script's really great, it's funny when it needs to be, it's downright depressing when it has to be. Yeah, man, it, it, it just like- mastered the tone so well. Oh, yeah, I really like that Army also ended with a kind of a, a similar note, mm-hmm. but instead of being, like, during the credits is the very last line of the movie but you can tell i think a good way to kind of look at the two movies side by side is that while dawn ends with this montage or like series of shots of them coming to realize that like no leaving the mall doesn't help we're just somewhere else that's dangerous now yeah uh and it's it's a lot like you said, it's very nihilistic, but yeah. in a Army, good way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, in a good way. But with Army, it's nihilistic, but it's it's a lot more fun in how it handles. Oh it, yeah, oh yeah, is kind of the philosophy of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's we're gonna take this dark shit and we're gonna show you some dark shit. Right. Like first ten minutes, here's a mom and her daughter getting squished, like right, right at the edge of escaping from the zombies. Right. Like we see them. Hope is out the window at this point. Yeah. Hope see- is gone. But right. then at the end, instead of like, here's a Johnny Cash song while everything sucks, it's <laughs> Omari Hardwick being like, well, fuck, I guess Mexico City's going to die. Yep. Credits. And it's like swinging jazz. And it's like, what is happening? <laughs> but it's so, it's like a perfect little encapsulation of the tone. I agree. I agree. Yeah, man, this is really great. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy I got to watch this because, like, I think I've seen all the other Snyder movies. Um, have you seen Guardians of Gahul? I sure have. I thought it was pretty good. I liked yeah. it. I mean, I, I haven't seen it since I, like it came out in theaters, but I, yeah. I think it's worth a rewatch. That's yeah. the one I haven't seen, actually. Well, it's literally like Warrior Owls, and if that sounds cool, it's because it is. So oh, yeah, um, I actually read the books when I was a little kid. Nice. My go. mom bought all bought me like a, a box set of all of the Guardians of Kahul books. There you go. Nice. Yeah. And now look um, at you, you know? <laughs> yeah. I really I want to again emphasize how fucking great the opening credits are for Army of the Dead, though. Yeah, seriously. If you're not if you're not gonna watch Army of the Dead because of the length, at least watch the opening credits. Yeah, you don't have to watch anything else. If you just watch the opening credits, it he Snyder himself actually talks about how he wanted to establish the tone of the movie in mm-hmm. that four minutes. Right. It's like we're taking this block of time to tell you exactly what you're getting into. Yeah. You get all this fun zombie stuff and it slowly it gets depressing. You know? yeah. yeah. But it, you know, it's still got that swinging music. It's all, it's very fun. Viva like, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. As just people are dying everywhere. Oh it's yeah. Great. I love Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Yeah, man. Uh, is there anything else you want to bring up about these two? Uh, I have a question to ask you. Actually. Go for it. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, we've seen zombies. We've mm-hmm. seen or a zombie film. We've seen a zombie heist film. What genre does he mix zombies with next for Army of the Dead 2? Oh, good question. Uh, I was thinking in my mind zombie romance, but they've already done that with Warm Bodies, if you ever saw that. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's just kind of like a YA Uh take on it i don't know i think what what can you do jesus uh i think think. he goes knowing snyder and what he tends to like i think he goes into myth and like more kind of cool and like and you already 
here's the thing you already said alien like he already hinted that there's alien i wouldn't be mad if it's like a sci-fi zombie movie. like a hard hardcore sci-fi i'd be yeah, so yeah 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 going go crazy with it yeah or maybe like um like kind of an aliens vibe mm-hmm. well so, i mean army of the dead is pretty much like an aliens ripoff if you think about it, it. really is <laughs> a little uh, bit yeah, it's like beat for beat aliens, but that's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad. I love aliens. Lots of I like Army Or beat for beat aliens. Yeah. yeah honestly, yes. Uh, the Boss Baby, beat for beat aliens. Let me tell you. Really? No. <laughs> Aw, I was, I was almost gonna watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch it. I check it out. But yeah. I will watch the sequel. Oh yeah, and I'll check out the prequel. It'll be fun to just see the Boss Baby sequel. Yeah, no, in that way you're seeing a new movie, you know? Yeah, like, I'm learning everything there is to know about these characters that I don't know from the first movie, and right. I'm getting a whole second plot. Yeah, exactly. That's all you need, Does really. That movie won an Oscar. It, I don't think it did. It literally won Best Picture, Best Animated Picture. You're right. It, wait, no, it didn't. Coco beat it. You're wrong. Oh, okay. It got nominated. It got nominated. It got nominated, but Coco. That yeah. still makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. The boss baby. Yeah. But now, if it know. was just Alec Baldwin dressed as a baby, I'd be in. 100%. 100%. Why didn't they do that? You know, B movie? Like, they tried to do a live action B movie with Jerry Seinfeld. Why didn't oh that happen? Oh, God. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, come on. Him dressed as a bee fucking a human woman? I see why they didn't do it. Actually. Oh, wait. Yeah, that makes sense. Shit. Yeah, bad. <laughs> nah. Look at this. Look at what we've done. Yeah, jeez. Anywho, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Jimmy, is there anything you want to plug or promote or anything like that? Um, restore the Snyderverse, guys. Agreed. Because even if you don't like those movies, it's fine. It's HBO. Just say it's an Elseworlds thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. Let them I, do whatever. They're I agree. Or at least do a Deathstroke movie. That'd be I don't sick. Know listening. Jason Keelar, I know you're a, a really, really high up executive at Warner Brothers, but in case you're listening, <laughs> do a fucking Deathstroke movie, man. Yeah, man. Gareth Edwards from, uh, or no, Gareth Edwards from The Raid. Yes. Oh, my God. Do a Deathstroke movie. Why aren't we getting that? Yeah. Right now. Now. Right now. Do it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I want, uh, I'll go a step further. Not a step further. Uh, another step. Uh, give me the 4K of Zack Snyder's Justice League now. It's out in the UK and somehow it's not out in the US and I'm angry. I want Where's it. my damn DVD? That's what I want. I'll buy it. Warner Brothers, I will buy it. Give it. I'm going to buy the remaster of Batman Superman. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Extra IMAX shit. I'm on board. Right. That's all I need, I bought man. a big TV for a reason. Right. You got to fill up that screen somehow. Yeah. Well, thank but, you for indulging me in ranting about things that <laughs> made very little sense except to me. Hey, uh, you know, it was happy having you on board. I, 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 it was fun discussing these. It was a lot of. Uh, well, if you of- ever want to talk about garbage movies. Oh hell yeah, we'll have you back yeah. on uh, sometime and we'll talk about space. There you go. See, or we can talk about Wish Upon. Have you seen Wish Upon? No. Oh yeah, it's oh, like boy. it's like a horror movie, but I say horror. And being completely sarcastic because it wants a thumbnail for it. It wants to be a horror movie, but it's not. That's the best kind of bad movie. Though. That's what I'm saying. Where That's like exactly what I'm saying. They're absolute hardest. But it just no doesn't winking. work. No one's like, oh, we get it. This is bad. 
it's just bad. It's like the Joker said. He said, I used to think my movie was a tragedy, but I realize it's a comedy. You can apply the same thing to Wish Upon, but Jesus Christ. Anywho, thanks for coming on, man. It was a lot of fun uh, having you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode. Make sure you listen to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to better podcasts, we're there. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Make sure to go to iTunes, leave a review. Uh, one of these days, I'll look over them and read them if you post anything that's not uh, completely inappropriate. But maybe if it is inappropriate, I'll read it. I don't know. We're, uh, we're working our way through. But that'll do it. We'll see you guys next Friday. Uh, we'll be talking about it. The 1990s miniseries, miniseries, movie, whatever. Oh, no, you're doing, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, so oh, we're going to get into oh, it. Oh, God, the spider. Oh, the spider. <laughs> I'm so excited. But, yeah, we're doing it next week, so make sure to check that out. That's on uh, HBO Max for people who have it. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Toodles.